Oh, let's introduce ourselves, maybe. Uh, I'm Holly. I'm Erin. And I'm Ingrid. Smart Report! Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Smart Report podcast. I hope you missed us on our unexpectedly long hiatus, but we were just so tired after talking about Dukes that all of our plans just went down the drain. We're just so tired all fall. <laughs> but true. we figured we would pop back into the podcast to talk about our superlatives for this year. And we'll have the whole <laughs> list on our blog also at smartreport.com. And before we jump into superlatives, shout out to the 20 people on Spotify for whom the Smut Report was one of their top 10 podcasts. So we love you. <laughs> if you're one of those 20 Yay! people. Please like and rate us and tell your friends about us. And maybe <laughs> next year there'll be 30 people who listen to our podcast and that'll be really great. Yay! Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. We're just here to have fun. Yeah, we are just here to have fun. <laughs> so every year we do superlatives because some of us are bad at making decisions about one thing. But also, you know, instead of just being like, these are our five favorite books of the year or whatever, there are so many places where books can slot in to like, oh, this was a funny book. Oh, this book made me ragey. Oh. <laughs> what else, guys? Like, oh, I yeah. only wanted to read this kind of book this year. Where do we put these books? So we started doing our superlatives to kind of account for the total scope of books that we might read, as opposed to just oh, these were our favorites, because that's pretty subjective. I mean, this is subjective, too, but, you know. It's subjective, but we're confident about it. (laughs) Absolutely. But we have a lot of options. So once again, our goal is to find books that match with readers. So hopefully we're meeting our goals here. Yeah. I mean, and also just looking through the superlatives, you know, we have spaces for the books that were just amazing, but some of the books that at least I put on my list to answer these questions for different categories wouldn't necessarily be ones that were like, oh my God, this is in my top five. Yeah. But if you're looking for something that's a little different, maybe it's going to be the right one. Exactly. So without further ado, our superlatives. Every year in our superlatives. Let's do it. <laughs> these are the 2023 Smut Report superlatives. So we always start with books. That gave us belly laughs. When we talk about rom-coms, we want actual books that make us really legitimately laugh out loud. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, this whole, like, everything's a rom-com thing, we are not the only people who have yelled about this. Basically, anybody who reads a lot of romance is like, ah, not everything is a rom-com. You know, and I think there are some people who like their comedy with a lot of pathos, and I think we maybe are not those people. Those books are great, but maybe they're dramedies and that we prefer just the like the straight up I'm gonna pee my pants because I'm laughing so hard right am I right here yeah 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 that's the way <laughs> Ingrid is changing her mind you can you can disagree with us Ingrid I'm like listening to Holly and then I'm looking at my answer and I was like delete 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 delete. <laughs> well, this is always really fun for Ingrid especially because she can never actually remember anything I can't that she remember. read. So doing a whole no, year's yeah, worth terrible. of reflection is very exciting. It's like a punishment. It's like what did I do to you? <laughs> it's like having to do a research paper only as a research paper on myself. Well, Ingrid, so what did you put down for biggest belly laughs? <laughs> so here's the deal. As we have added that little asterisk that I think 
a lot of books are marketed as romantic comedies and they are not actually romantic comedies. This is my caveat. So I put down Mortal Follies by Alexis Hall, but I did not laugh out loud during the book, but I remember being like, this thing is absurd. So I was like, I think other people would have laughed really hard, but this one didn't hit it for well, me. Well, I think being delighted or entertained by absurdity is also it's just valid because sometimes yeah. stuff is absurd but it doesn't make you laugh out loud sure i'll buy that yeah slash maybe she was thinking if aaron read this she would be <laughs> laughing at the absurdity but absurdist oh, comedy aaron... is not my jam yeah no it basically it's like oberon and titania and fairies and but it's in like regency england type of thing and the whole time i was reading it i was like oh my gosh if we were in high school aaron would be like sitting there being like ingrid listen to this <laughs> and then unable to actually read it out loud because she'd be laughing so hard so yes that is the dead on holly that is exactly what i was thinking when i say somebody might laugh really hard i meant aaron it's the little thing so there it is aaron what about you well, I was going to say, Ingrid, I know what? that the Kate C. Wells Against a Wall made you laugh, but I know that you also put that down. Oh my gosh, I completely forgot you about that. that. So this is why I forgot about it. Different category. That's because it's, it was, that one was a heavy hitter in multiple categories, but yes, it was Truck Nuts. <laughs> it was, that was the Truck Nuts book and he was just such a himbo and it was so funny. Oh, see, this is why I keep you around, Aaron. I don't remember that. <laughs> But yes, this it was definitely I'm truck nuts. I'm your sister, but that's why you can't. <laughs> Whatever. The point is, is that not every book that Kate C. Wells writes is hilarious, but that one was. He was just so dopey. Like, he's a golden retriever. There was one point where he gets in a fight with somebody and, like, he turns around and looks at her and he's, like, smiles that are really big and he's missing teeth. And she's just like, oh, I love that man. And I just swear to God, everything about that book made me laugh. Well, because he's just such a happy, beefy dingnut. He's just, I don't even know. Well, I will say my category also, I picked the himbo. Well, one of the himbos. I read a lot of himbos. And I didn't review yeah. this book. I might have put it in a Saturday Smutty Six. It's Not That Impossible by Isabel Murray. <laughs> and it was just like, this guy is trying so hard and he just can't do anything right. <laughs> He's just so sweet and so hapless. <laughs> and it was Aww. just really, and I've read a couple other books by her since then. The first book, this Not That Impossible is actually the second in a duology. I thought it was the first and I just got it wrong. And if I had read the first book, first i don't know if i would have necessarily continued because the first book was not as entertaining it was much more you know standard fare mm -hmm. but she's written some other stuff she's pretty good at situational comedy <laughs> hmm. so yes not that impossible by isabel murray jasper he's like trying to be a journalist a serious journalist in a small town in england where they have this newspaper that's like hanging on by a thread and like the English teacher always scoops him. And she's like <laughs> really vicious. She's like, hey, hey, I got you again. And he's just like, I'm just trying. There's a murder in the village. And they're like, finally, I can, something happened. And it's not just me writing about like how to grow tomatoes or something. <laughs> but he's so bad at it because he's actually like a physical trainer by day. So he's like this big kind beefy dumb dude yeah definitely oh. him. <laughs> it's very funny <laughs> i that sounds like a book that i want to read now <laughs> <laughs> so oh. yeah it was, it was pretty entertaining 
So the comedy book that I put down was Kit McBride Gets a Wife by Amy Barry. And this is a historical Western comedy. And for me, it was like, is the voice was hilarious. Okay, so the premise is, is, you know, there's a bunch of brothers who like live up in a cabin in Oregon or Idaho or something. It's very Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, if you guys have seen that movie. Yeah, it's very Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, except they have a younger sister, Junebug. And Junebug is tired of having to do all the cooking and the cleaning and the laundry. And this is just bullshit. So she decides that she is gonna get wives for her brothers. But really, she's like, I need a wife. So that, like, I don't have to do this anymore. So really what's hilarious is that Junebug is just hilarious. And she just, like, causes mayhem everywhere she goes because she places mail-order bride ads on behalf of her brothers. And I will say, like, the romance is a little weak. But it didn't matter because, you know, Junebug is just really delightful and causes nothing but trouble. It's interesting how sometimes you're like, well, that made me laugh. So the fact that these romantic elements were more generically standardized doesn't matter because the voice is so good. Right. I mean, and in this case, it was like all the character development was on Junebug. Like, I didn't really care about Kit and his (laughs) mail order bride, whose name I don't even remember. Bridget, maybe. I mean, a little bit, but they just kind of do their like, you're hot, I'm hot. We're going to like playhouse kind of thing situation yeah i feel like this is not a good segue because our next category is book that made me think so we go from the high of it was really funny into like more serious this book made me think okay but mine isn't mine's not so i'll be the transition because mine made me think but mine made me think in a very not dramatic or stressful way (laughs) but this one was actually easy for me which never happens because i felt feel like i read a lot of books that were very the same this year Mm -hmm. i did too which made it kind of hard But this one was during one of our category romances. And the book itself was a very interesting setup where, you know, this woman is blind and this guy sweeps in and he's going to help her restore her vision because it was his brother's fault, I guess. And so he's decided he's going to fix this problem that his brother started and help this woman restore her vision or whatever. The book itself was really interesting because I went into it thinking like, oh, this is going to be handled really poorly Mm -hmm. disability wise and there were a couple things that now we know better but I actually feel like it wasn't what I thought so this book has stuck in the back of my head for a very strange reason and it's this because when I was doing my review and I was checking to make sure that the book that I was looking up online was the same one that I had actually read in my hands I came across the author's biography you know, we read these category romances, romances and I, th- I think in my head I'm just picturing, like, I don't know what I pictured for the author. This woman is fascinating. Fascinating. So I'm going to explain it to you. Her name is Sandra Field. Before she got married, she received a Bachelor of Science from Dollhouse University. Then she gets married. She works for the Fisheries Research Board until she has starts having kids, right? Her husband is an armed forces chaplain. So she ha- it says in her biography, she had to stop working. And they ended up on PEI. Mm-hmm. And her kids are in school. She couldn't get a job. And she tried to join the local bridge club, but she kept forgetting not to trump her partner's ace. So (laughs) she said she always loved to read. And so one day she bought a dozen Harlequin novels, read them, 
analyzed them and then sat down and wrote one. And then she ended up publishing like all of these books. And the whole time she's researching, she used a pseudonym because it says her pseudonyms were an attempt to prevent the congregation from finding out what the chaplain's wife was up to in her spare time. Right. (laughs) So already I'm like, I think I love this woman. Then, yeah, she separated from her husband in 1976. So now she's traveling. She worked in the biology department, a pathology laboratory. She completed a master's in theological studies And her thesis juxtaposed Hebrew concepts of chaos in the book of Job with modern chaos theory. So like, what? Like, this is a very detailed biography, by the way. (laughs) Well, you can see I was like, honest to God, this woman's biography is just as riveting as her book was. (laughs) Like, I just sat here and I was just like, what? 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 I'm just picturing this amazing woman whose brain is like packed packed with talent and then she gets married and she thinks she's living the life she's gonna live she pops out a bunch of kids she's so analytical that she decided i'm gonna figure out how to write romance novels and by golly she just went out and did it and i feel like i don't know why but the book was interesting it was fine but like i have literally not stopped thinking about this author since i read the book Hmm. because i'm just like this is the lives we lead as women right like this is she i'm doing romance reviews now i'm at the same age that she was at when she started writing romance novels. Do you know what I mean? And I'm working from home and I have an education and I have multiple interests. Clearly she has multiple interests. I like to analyze things myself. And it's just so interesting the ways that people find romance novels and stuff and that there are so many brilliant, talented women who find romance and fiddle with it and explore it and stuff like that. And anyway, this is a very long explanation, but since we're doing the make me think one, this is what made me think. And I know it's crazy and I know it kind of doesn't apply, but that's the truth. It made me think. Wow. All right. Well, mine didn't make me think that much. (laughs) I know. I'm like, it's not that deep. (laughs) So the book that I chose for the made me think I honestly had a hard kind of a hard time with this because like Ingrid I realized I had a lot of personal stuff going on and so I was like comfort mood reading for almost the entire year yeah <laughs> it's like I, I can't deal with stress or trauma right now yeah I don't want to yeah. think actually yeah. that's the opposite <laughs> of what I want to do so so I I kind of had a hard time picking a book but I chose bitter medicine by Mia Tsai because as I was reading, I realized that, like, we get into these fantasy worlds. I enjoy a fantasy book. I enjoy fantasy romance. It's, like, fun to kind of have world building and make believe fantastical things are fun to read about. But when you have fae, it's always Western fae, or it's, like, you know what it's like british it's yeah. british yeah yeah basically yeah yeah and like it's not so, even it's like it's not even german fay right and and yeah. maybe maybe i've read a couple where it was written by an asian author so the dragon mythology comes from chinese lore and culture but it's mm-hmm. singular in this case you know we live in a world with lots of people living in the same place of different backgrounds and so what this book did really well was to have those characters bring their own mythological backgrounds into the story. Right. So mm-hmm. the characters who were from Northern Europe had Northern European alter egos or whatever shifted into different things. Whereas yeah. the ones from African backgrounds had African mythology. I don't even know how to describe this, but it was 
much more intentional and thoughtful than I think a lot of fantasy authors dive when they're doing their world building. And that was cool. Mm-hmm. That is satisfying. Yeah. So I picked The Sleeping Soldier by Aster Glenn Gray. And I picked this one because I just thought it was a really interesting reminder that we do not understand history and that historical (laughs) fiction is about what we think happened, not about what was actually going on. I mean, because the premise of this story is there's a Civil War soldier who falls asleep for 100 years and then wakes up in the 60s. And his ideas of friendship, sex, relationships, romantic love, courtship are all just completely foreign to the people he's hanging out with. And they are basically like trying to figure out how to talk to each other about these things. And so that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a really cool book. It was really interesting. I mean, yeah, if you think you want to read a book about somebody who's out of time and nobody believes him, then, like, this is not the book for you. Right. I was expecting more of a Rip Van Winkle kind of thing, and it wasn't quite that. Mm. Uh, There were some elements to that, though. You know, and there is definitely some pathos where the soldier goes and visits the grave of his fiance, Uh And she actually had died before he was cursed. So, right, she got influenza or something like three months before he he came home from the war. And so he knew she was dead, but he goes and visits her grave and she's dead and her gravestone is 100 years old, but also her entire family is also dead. Mm -hmm. And they were they were his surrogate family and like he loved her parents and her brother was his best friend and all of their graves are there. So you still get a little bit of that, like, oh, shit, I'm, like, a person out of out time. Out of time. But, yeah. Yeah. but that's not really what the book is trying to do. And also, you don't uh, – you never get his perspective. You only get the, the modern guy's perspective. So you don't mm. see that scene. You just kind of see his aftermath yeah. from that scene. But anyway, yeah. it was a really fascinating read and since I love to read historical romance. Like, <laughs> it was a good reminder for me. Historical yeah. romance is doing something in particular, and I shouldn't try to pretend that reading all these Regency romances really makes me understand Jane Austen's life, for example. Oh, yeah. Not that I think that, but... No, yeah. Cool. Well, that okay. makes me want to read that one even more. You kind of got to be ready for an Astor Glenn Gray book. You so. really... You do. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I need to push myself a little bit more next year. Again, maybe. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll have more thinky thoughts next year. We'll find out. We'll find out. All right. Should we talk about our swooniest characters? <laughs> I'm really looking forward to yeah. that. <laughs> I had a hard time with this one, too. Well, you want to go first? For different reasons? Yeah. Well, part of my issue this year, again, I read a lot of Samesy books for a reason. So I didn't have a ton of like, oh, this character really knocked it out of the park. because They were all like so soft. Everybody was like, I just want to read soft books where everybody's so nice. <laughs> Um, but it has to have a plot so yeah figure that one out but i chose i chose the husband game by brigham vaughn it's a an mm hockey romance shocking (laughs) shocking no one shocking (laughs) (laughs) but the reason that i chose it was this is a spinoff series it's first book in a spinoff series from vaughn's prior hockey book series and these characters were both introduced to secondary characters in a prior book 
Um, and it's pretty clear that Dustin has is interested in the person who will become his husband. And they end up in Vegas at like this hockey thing and they go out, they get drunk, they accidentally get married, they wake up and Dustin is like, yes, finally, my dreams are coming true. Not in a creepy way. He's just like, wow, what amazing good fortune I have, you know? And, <laughs> and of course, his husband is like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> But they agree to stay married because of capital R reasons, of course, naturally. And even though they agree that they will just be married for a year in exchange for this, this other character has like debts that need to get paid because he has a very significant eating disorder, which content warning, I mean, Dustin doesn't know that. So he's just like, I'm treating this like it's for real. We said it would be for a year, but Mm -hmm. I'm in it. And I want to make my partner happy and I want to be the best captain of the team that I can be. I want to be the best hockey player I can be, but I also want to be the best husband I can be and be supportive and encouraging. And also his husband is pretty femme in some ways and not others, but real like, like likes to wear dresses. And so he just, he's just like, doesn't my husband look beautiful in this dress tonight? You know, like stuff like mm-hmm. it was just so Aww. wholesome and sweet and heartwarming. I was like, this is the guy. <laughs> We all deserve a so partner. Cute. We all, if you if you, we all deserve a partner like that. <laughs> it's like you're amazing, and I am so fortunate every day that this is my life. You know, <laughs> that's so cute. Yeah. So yeah, top that. That's cute. All right. Okay. Here's my bid. My swooniest character, Nikki Mendoza from Full Moon Over Freedom by Angelina M. Lopez. Like, I'm pretty sure Lopez was just like, I'm gonna write a book boyfriend. <laughs> like that's what I'm gonna do with him, and she. I think she said in her author's note that she. Uh, so he he's Mexican American, and she's like, "Where are the soft, supportive Mexican men in romance novels? Oh, right here. Like tough. these are the men that I grew up with." But he has everything, right? He's an artist. He's kind of a bad boy. It's a second chance with your first love from high school kind of thing. The heroine's a single mother, and her son is special needs. I think he's autistic. And he's, like, really good with her kids, just, like, super supportive. And then a lot of the drama in this book – well, there's, like, different parts of drama. But a big piece of the drama is her terrible Mm ex-husband who – is trying to take her family's bar and also trying to get custody of the kids and is emotionally abusive. You know, like basically doesn't have a relationship with them and like wants the kids because it'll hurt her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, and, and doesn't know how to deal with their son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's this scene at the end where she confronts her ex with the power of magic also um there's some magic in here she's a bruja she like finally taps back into her power and nikki is there with her and it's very explicit that he doesn't try to protect her he doesn't stand in front of her and he doesn't stand behind her but he stands right next to her because he's her partner and helping her conjure up this magic and in building a family and so it's like very intentional but mm-hmm. he's awesome and sexy and like does dirty talk and mm-hmm. you know, all the good things. 
Yeah. Sounds like a slam yeah. dunk. Yeah. I remember you liking this book. Yeah. Angelina Lopez is, she knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. And I, you know, and she writes kind of prickly heroines. And I like that. Which is nice. Which is nice. <laughs> I like that too. So, yeah. so prickly heroine and the studly heartthrob who just like has it so bad for her. Nice. So I have the exact opposite. <laughs> I have Knox from Things We Never Got Over. That's the Knock em Out series. So it's grumpy sunshine, basically. Literally, when they meet, she's wearing a wedding dress because she runs away from her wedding. <laughs> and then her sister, her twin sister, steals all of her stuff in her car and all of her money and leaves her with her niece, her 11-year-old niece. So she's stuck in a small town, broke, wearing a wedding dress, and suddenly is responsible for her 11-year-old niece. And Knox is like a grumpy old codger bear who lives on his own and doesn't want anything to do with anybody. <laughs> you want a grumpy old man. Yeah. Oh, he's the worst. I mean, he's so cranky. And then like, even when, this is why I like it so much. Even when they like start hooking, he's like, go away. Like the whole time he's like, okay, here's some help. Now go away. Leave me alone. The whole book, he's like pushing her in. She's like, okay, thank you. And then like, it's the whole thing. And it's so well written because like, at one point, they're having a good relationship. They're sitting in a diner. Like, she comes in all cheerful, like, oh, what do you want to do later? Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, we need to end it. Oh. And she's like, it's like a gut punch. She's just starting to get settled with this niece. Like, she's just getting her feet under her. She's just having a sense of community. And then he, like, knocks her completely on her ass. But when I say the groveling is so good and, like... This grumpy old, so he's a bearded bad boy barber is what Goodreads says, <laughs> and it's accurate. And he is like super grumpy and has a basset hound named Waylon. This is my personal kryptonite is like really grumpy men who only like one woman in their lives. Like that's just, it's what I, my own personal reason I go to therapy. But um, <laughs> anyway, really <laughs> It's just so good. Like, she's the only one. He doesn't like anybody else. He just likes her. And anyway, it's just so good. I also have to take it into context with the series because he has a brother who's, like, the sheriff in town. So Bad Boy Barber is actually, like, super wealthy, of course, because it's willing suspension of disbelief, guys. So he has he's <laughs> a business owner. He has a bar. And there are some things that are a little shticky. It's so – he tries so hard to be – just – like, he, to be a grumpy old asshole, and it just, he doesn't succeed. Because everybody knows he's actually a real squish at heart, and it's so cute. And, like, but he's got, so he's got, there's three of them. There's That's the three books, is there's Knox, and then his brother, who's the sheriff guy, and then their best friend, Lucian. He was a top contender as well, because he's one of those alpha holes, like, super rich billionaire guys. Wait. What? That's your swootiest character is an alpha hole? Billionaire? No. I mean, almost. He was, no. That's why he's not. Uh-huh. Because because Knox is better. Because Knox, Knox can't stop doing good things despite himself. He's like, I'm going to buy you breakfast and then you need to not talk to me for the rest of the day. And it's like, okay. You know, it's like that. He's like, go away. And she's like, no, no, thank you. And it's so good. And then he's like, okay, fine. I'll hang out with you grudgingly. It's so good. I was surprised. Usually if I see like Goodreads Choice Award or any like public award for romance books, I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, you 
You're incorrect. Yeah. Anyone who reads romance would say that. But shockingly, I do have to say this series was pretty good. So anyway, I feel like it might drive Aaron nuts. I'm not positive, but sometimes that's a good metric for me for knowing what I will well, yeah. like is whatever drives Aaron nuts. I feel like this is a good thing where we, we're like, oh, this just uh, further confirms where we maybe have some overlaps and a lot of differences. <laughs> we're covering all the bases. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there really is something for everyone here. Now, listen, last year I read a ton of books with really wonderful, sensitive heroes, and I really liked that, too. Why this year I took a hard turn? I actually blame it on the Bodice Rippers books. I think they they got me back into it, and I went straight for, like, Neanderthals again. But I am what I am. There is something about the Neanderthal. I will never forget. This was years ago. You know, my mom giving me Outlander, right? <gasps> and her saying, you know, Holly, this is the sexiest hero I've ever read. You know, and he, like, literally spanks her mm-hmm. and there's like literal bodice ripping and I'm just like, really mom? What mom? <laughs> like really mom? But you know, I, I kind of get it now. Carrying on shifting books most likely to make me ugly cry, which I get to listen this time because I much like Aaron could not tolerate anything close to ugly crying this year. And so I did not ugly cry. The only one that I can think of was gall dang it. There was a book that I reviewed it for, I think, a Super Wendy. And in the book, she figures out she doesn't know what rape is. Trigger warning. Like, he's the one who's like, oh, you were raped. And she's like, oh, I was. And so, like, there's this relationship where they're building around this trauma and stuff. And that one was pretty gut-punching. But that was as close as I got. And it was grudgingly. Like, if I had known that that was in the book, I probably wouldn't have read it. Because this year, I don't do that. Life is uncomfortable enough. I don't need to add to it. So I didn't cry. But anyway, Erin, what did you read? Well, like I said, I also was kind of in that headspace. But the things that get me are resolutions of family stuff or like family trauma or drama and animals. (laughs) What? Animals? Yeah. So it's usually not. Wait, wait, wait. Shifter animals? No, 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 no. no. Or pets? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. I was like, if you're having emotions about shifters... (laughs) I mean, also I do, but usually different, different emotions. Different kinds of emotions. Shifters. <laughs> but no, it's usually not that anything about the relationship gets me. It's like whatever these people are processing. And usually the partner of the person who's processing it is like there for them. But in this particular case, I read Unravel Me by Becca Mack. Um, she's been writing these hockey books that are like borderline too long for me like if I go on Kindle Unlimited I'm like this book looks like fun and then it's 600 pages I nope right out of there because (laughs) usually they're not that tight they don't need to be that long but I started reading the first one and I uh, she's she could tighten them up a little bit but something about it (laughs) it's just like yes so in this particular one the character had just broken up with his fiance who is like his high school sweetheart who moved to Vancouver with him because he's a pro hockey goalie. So he has just broken up with his fiance. He's like trying to rebuild his life because she was his first everything. And he thought that was going to be forever. And she didn't like the travel schedule. So she was cheating on him and kind of blaming him for like why she cheated on him. Because, you know, like if you were there. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I wouldn't have this problem. I'm kind of a little stereotypical evil other woman. But this guy is adopted. He lost his family really tragically. He went into the system. He's American. She's Canadian. So went into the system and got adopted when he was 
maybe like a tween and had a, has a really loving family. And, and so he like volunteers at a children's facility in Vancouver. He has a big dog that he loves. So she, she's also, she lost her family, like even more tragically, like this is one, like her dad got her out of a fire in their house and then went back in for the mom but like looked back at her to say goodbye, like knowing that he was going to go into that building and not come out and neither one of her parents were going to come out. And I was like, that's that is not how you parent. <laughs> so angry. <laughs> like, sorry, you're miserable. Your wife died, but she needs her parents. And she never got well, adopted. Rough. Yeah. She never got adopted. Uh, so she has a lot of trauma about that. So a lot of it is her family, like finding a family, He's working with these orphans in this children's facility. Like, he's got a connection with one girl in particular who's kind of, like, unsure of herself, but, like, getting closer to him. And and then they have the dog. So she, the woman, the heroine, wants to be a veterinarian. So she works at a shelter and takes care mm-hmm. of this dog who also has trauma. And that's how they meet. It's like they have a meet cute with their dogs, of course, because why wouldn't mm-hmm. you? So she wants to be a vet. So also part of it is she's going to school and she has to do like her practicums and okay guys so we've got the orphans we've got he's an orphan and he has this loving family and you get to be like oh my god his family is so great and then she has this thing where she was just like legit abandoned by her parents who thought it was more important to go into a burning building (laughs) than to stay with her it's like oh she needs someone to love and then they have these child or children orphans who are like finding their forever homes and then and then they have she's taking care of a dog and it has it's like foreshadowing for what's going to happen to his dog too but like big dogs have this thing that happens to their stomach sometimes that it can kill them like almost faster than you can get them to the vet. And so they try to get this one dog into surgery and it dies on the table. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> the dog died. Guys, I don't, I'm not even a dog person. Okay. You're not. <laughs> the dog died. That's why I was like, are you talking about shifters? Cause you were <laughs> no. like, Oh, it's a dog. And I'm like, but you don't even like dogs. No. <laughs> and then his dog goes through the same thing. And of course it's like, Look at his all best the dog friend made in the whole world. Is his dog gonna survive? And oh my god, it was a roller coaster, emotional roller coaster. So, like listening to this though, this is what it sounds like the author was doing. Do you know what's sadder than one orphan? Two orphans. Yeah, you know what's sadder than two orphans? Two orphan children who are orphans. Do you know what's sadder than a bunch of children and adult orphans who are really sad? <laughs> children and adult orphans who are really sad, and then their dogs start dying. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was a lot. It was a lot. But I will say, like, this is one book in the series. The first book in the series was like, I wrote a little thing on a Saturday Smitty Six about it. It was, it's like totally over the top. This guy is like, I found her. I'm going to have her. And it's just like, she's just like, no, you're not. <laughs> like just the back and forth where he's like a giant toddler but it's actually kind of funny (laughs) as opposed to being obnoxious the second book is his sister and one of the other hockey players and the sister has some trauma about sex so for like most of the book they don't have penetrative sex at all she only lets him use toys and he's like 
I will please you. I'll please you real good. It's pretty fun, too, because he's never threatened by, like, her absolutely enormous dildo, you know, like, or whatever. He's just like, yeah. Ingrid's face, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you real good. You know, I guess we're going there on this so, podcast. Well, so it, I don't want to make it be like this is the author's brand, you know, like, it's... Mm-hmm. She's got some different things going on. It's been a fun series, which is, yeah, why I've kept reading. But, oh, man, I didn't I didn't stand a chance. Sometimes it feels so nice to, like, swoon and then cry and then swoon <laughs> and then cry. And it's just like, listen, you can either sit in your car with a Starbucks and listen to sad music and cry, or you can read a book and get it all done in one go. <laughs> yeah. So Okay, but uh, the book that I put here was Flirting with Forever by Kara Bastone, and I think this was a – you know, manipulative author relationship, punch me in the gut with emotion and I'm going to make you cry thing. Um, And I don't remember why I cried. I just remember the experience of, I read it on an airplane and and just like cried the whole, like cried the whole flight. And the poor people sitting next to me were probably like, what the fuck is wrong with this woman? But yeah, that's what I did. I just like, is like sitting there in the window seat with my Kendall just being like, oh, but silently. I cry silently, um, just like wet face. Yeah. Wet face. <laughs> Thank you, Holly, for reading these books for me. Like, I have all these Jenny Holiday books. They sound like something that I would probably enjoy, but I'm just like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to cry. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I don't want- well, like the. Like Kate Claiborne. It's like, oh, I have to gird my loins. Yeah. Yeah, it was like Clay Caborn vibes. Jenny Holiday, definitely don't read the like small town, uh, like the Mermaid End series. That's the one I, uh, I bought. Yeah, I mean, they're really good, but they're just like... Oofta, oofta. All right, guys, we got to yeah, do it. Okay. This is my favorite category <laughs> of all time because it it happens, like it's real. And that's book most likely to make me text the other smut reporters because what did I just read? So... <laughs> I had a couple good ones this year. Yeah. Was... <laughs> what I Aaron, put down... Let's hear it. I read the Potato Shifter book. The title, oh. the title of the first one is All He Wants for Christmas is a Fingerling. And guys, oh god, oh god, no! Fuck. He, you can he he. In order to mate, the wolf shifter has to eat part of the potato shifter, and he fries him up and dips him in ketchup, and it gives him the biggest hard on he's ever had in his life. I'm just like, what? <laughs> what I find hilarious is that to this day. If, if one of us stumbles across a book where there's an inanimate object featured as a main character in a romance novel, Aaron's immediately like, say less. <laughs> I'm in it. Let's do this. I know. I almost. Where can I get it? Is it available for immediate download? <laughs> I almost read the, the door book this year, but. Mm. Well, maybe, yeah, save some maybe next year. you can do the, um, the possessed teddy bear book instead. Oh my Ooh, gosh. There you go. So this was also I it was maybe my like second book or something in the I had decided to start reading Omegaverse books like what is this Omegaverse thing? <laughs> and it was like one of the second maybe the third book that I read and I think it was Holly was like I feel like that's a level six. No, maybe Ingrid was the one who's like, no, that seems like a level six kind of book. Not <laughs> Holly was the one who's like, interesting choice for uh, your first Omega verse foray. So this will be very interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, Holly. What was the one that you so said? I said the Pleasure Device by Regina Kammer, and this was a recent one. I do remember. And that. I was texting them about this doctor lacking medical ethics and 
mm-hmm. testing yeah. his vibrator for treatment of hysteria on people. And Which you don't want to put a Victorian vibrator next to your vulva. It's just not. That's not what it was for. It, but... This is an apocryphal story, everybody. No, uh, Victorian what? vibrators are not for vibrators. They're actually massagers. True story. Well, anyway, continue. anyway, anyway, there's like all this stuff about women having different kinds of orgasms. And he's like, maybe I can teach them how to masturbate and then they can cure their own hysteria. <laughs> and and, I, and we're just like, oh, wow. Is he delusional? Like Does he like out. really think that women don't know how to masturbate? That's oh, like sweet child. Like, even no. in because sometimes women in romance novels don't know how to masturbate. It's like yeah, but that's a very specific genre. Yes. I'd like to think. Uh, yeah, actually, more so now than ones. before. Yeah, I mean, well, actually, yeah, I read true. one very recently where she like learns to masturbate or she tries to masturbate and can't. But like the way she's written, it's kind of like she's gray demisexual like can only get off with a a partner she loves and trusts and so like that's why masturbation doesn't work for her but like that was a very specific thing Mm -hmm. but yeah in this book even the pure virginal virgin that everybody wants because she's so beautiful and pure and virginal knows how to masturbate so Mm -hmm. but yeah this book was just like i mean it was erotica but there was a lot of medical ethics and other stuff going on with it (laughs) where i was just like what is even happening here that's hilarious how about you, Ingrid? All right, well, mine mine was yet another category romance, mm-hmm. A Private Affair by Kathy Clark. <laughs> and I think you remember that I texted you multiple times. One, because she's like a private detective and all the technology is like <laughs> top of the line, but in like 1980. And just the, the plot holes were so ridiculous. So like she, she has this camera that has like a hair trigger, but you hold it in your hand and you like squeeze it to take the pictures. This is in the first chapter. And she's like, she sneaks into his hotel room and he's in the shower and gets out of the shower, like completely naked and like is sitting on her. Well, she's supposed to be investigating him for cheating on his wife. And he like hits on her and like kisses her. And she accidentally squeezes the camera and takes a bunch of pictures of his penis. <laughs> But she goes back and she's like, yeah, I didn't get anything. Oh, man. Like, what did you just get if it wasn't anything? Pictures of his penis and he kissed you. I mean, come on. I think he's cheating on his wife. (laughs) Yeah, I think that counts. And then the wife begs and sends her to chase after him in Florida or whatever. And she's like, okay, fine. I'll go try again. And, like, they're literally starting a full-fledged relationship. And she's like, gosh, I don't know how I'm going to get any evidence that this guy is cheating on his wife. (laughs) While I'm starting a relationship with him. Like, it is it is so ridiculous. And then it, there are just so many little things. I even asked Aaron because it was over Thanksgiving. And I was like, all right, Aaron, it's back in the day. He's obviously not cheating on his wife. So what do you think it is? And I said, I think it's a twin, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think, like, she's married to the twin and, like, blah, 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 blah. And Aaron, what was your guess? Aaron had another very rational guess. And it was like, but okay, yeah, were maybe we were twin romance novels. Separated, and he... and she was stalking him or something. Yeah, yeah like stalker situation something or something. Yeah, I think it was more like she was being nefarious and like trying to yeah get underhanded. Yeah. yeah, guys, guys, <laughs> it's that it was a prank and that she was his sister. That's like the worst explanation for sending a prank. Oh, I was gonna cramp his dating. So- he never dates anyone. I was gonna make it so he couldn't date anyone for real by having a private investigator follow him. <laughs> what? 
it made no sense. And then the best part was this exchange that they had where they're talking about this like roller coaster that had water splashing and it was literally chock full of sex puns. <laughs> and I was like, what is this book? Like, how can you be so dialed in on these sex puns? Oh, I couldn't, I didn't think I was going to be able to get you off it. I couldn't believe how wet it got me. I'm like, how can you do that so well and then miss such a huge plot point? Like with, it's just, I could not, I was like, what is this even? But I couldn't, did I put it down no i kept going and i finished the dang thing that's what i read it was ridiculous because you can't put it down now it's not it's not a, a sexual potato but it is it was pretty ridiculous now my all my weirdest stuff this is actually going to get me when we get down to like the hottest book i'm just like normal sex is boring <laughs> but we'll get there <laughs> but i think all right well that segued pretty well into of boring you put down yeah the book. so let's you, what else kept us edge on the edge of our seat? seat? All right. Well, I'll go first. So I chose The Black Diamond by Bella Barnes. We'll say this was the first mafia romance I read. And I was like, I'm not going to like mafia romance. And then I was like, I fucking love this book. I love mafia <laughs> romance. And it was just like exciting and sexy and just like, I mean, kind of just like the flame and the flower. So, you know, <laughs> like, except <laughs> thrilling. I mean, you know, he like, like he, but why, but oh, why do I like this? But why do I like this? But I love it. I mean, yeah. cause you know, it does all the things. She's a virgin. He thinks she's a whore. She sells him her virginity so she can escape the mafia, but he's also in the mafia. So they had, they're like forced to get married, all the things. And then there's like gunfights. It's like all the big feelings of historical romance, except like the old historical romance, except the virgins are less dumb, basically. It was fun. <laughs> and it, and it like, I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's happening? What's going on? Well, this is so exciting. Well, the stakes in mafia romance, they're like realistic because you're extra legal. Yeah. So if somebody's like, I'm going to kill you, they might be like, actually, uh, are going to kill you. Whereas yeah. in a lot of contemporary romance, it's like my entire life's problem is for real are you for real right now yeah go to therapy <laughs> figure it out therapy <laughs> anyway mine is a sharp left turn from that because mine was historical mm -hmm. and i found this one because of reddit i think it was we were doing it for i woke up married mm -hmm. or something. i don't know that was good. anyway yeah. this is the one where they get super super drunk and it's in scotland and they wake up married and they don't know if they're married or not actually so the whole thing is like them neither remembers what happened they think they might be married but they don't know if they're married and there is so much going on in that book that you can't assume that what you know to be true is true you can't assume anybody's motives he actually like is absolutely convinced that she's trying to pull a fast one for part of it it is so edge of my seat you from the beginning to end even at the end you're like is it done did they figure is that really it and you're just like what just happened it was so good could not oh put it what down. was the book oh yeah i can say that too um <laughs> I bet I kept you on the edge you of sure your seat did. with my description. <laughs> yeah. It's What Happens in Scotland by Jennifer McQuiston. Yeah. Super good. Highly recommend it. And it was hot too. Just FYI. Okay. I feel like Jennifer McQuiston is like Meredith Duran who like only wrote a certain number of books, but like people generally like them if they can she find them. She knocked it out of the hmm. park. Yeah. Yeah. She can craft a good, I mean like just from a technical standpoint, she just hit all the marks. You know what mm. I mean? It was just really well executed. Yeah. Awesome. Highly recommend. Awesome. 10 out of 10. Well, you could do a review, revisit it if you want. Holly. Okay. <laughs> well, I read a different one by McQuiston and actually didn't like it that much, but oh. maybe I'll try this one. Well, that would make it a juicier review though. Yeah. Saying. Okay. Aaron. <laughs> all right. Well, mine was actually a thriller. It's like a 
sort of sci-fi, mm-hmm. Liar City by Allie Theron. Now, Theron does this thing that I don't usually love, but she sucked me in as an author. Good job, Allie Theron. And I always read all the books. <laughs> so this is the first book in a trilogy. The second book isn't even coming out until... It, this book came out way back in February, so I read it way before that. And the second book isn't coming out until December 2024, so... Maybe just wait, because I I need to know what happens. <laughs> but Liar City, the premise is empaths are dangerous. And so this guy is hiding being an empath, and the empath hunter comes to town. And they connect, and it's, like, very your normal mysterious. Like, how did you even get my number? How are you warning me about stuff? So there's a murder mystery going on. This guy has to kind of like figure out what's going on, but also prove how like he's not the empath responsible. He's a good empath, except for other stuff is going on with his brain. That's like, maybe something's not okay. Oh, what's going to happen? I don't know. And the best part of this is it's going to be a slow burn. These guys cannot even touch each other because the one time, Ooh. like the first time the empath hunter meets the empath, he speaks and the empath vomits because just hearing his voice is enough to like cause a problem. And they get over that and they like start working together and going through the city together because of reasons, capital R reasons. Yeah. It's going to be like, how are they going to overcome this? Like, I think at one point the empath hunter does touch the empath and like he passes out so it's like that's gonna make sex really difficult <laughs> between these characters i can't wait it was just it was fun sometimes i'm in the mood for a thriller and i felt like she did a good job yeah yeah opposite end of fun is not fun i will make the next one my next one brief uh because i don't think i can talk about the book that inspired the rantiest rant without continuing to rant okay. about how irritated i still am about it so my book was light up the lamp by kit oliver <laughs> i didn't even review it it was in like a discussion about the second chance romance trope we'll just um, link to that in the show notes and so people and can I, just read that <laughs> oh my gosh i was so i was just like no so good time good time yeah hockey romance oof Well, you know, you win some, you lose them. I chose (laughs) Talk Bookish to Me by Kate Bromley. This one, my sister recommended to me. So (laughs) that was a funny review too. (laughs) Like, sorry, sorry. I didn't like that book. But actually, like three of my four rants this year were like a very specific type of contemporary romance where the heroine is simultaneously supposed to be relatable and also aspirational and I hate that and they were also all social media influencers and I think I double extra hate that yeah I mean but this was just like about an author you know writing a book and usually I like kind of meta romance and this one didn't work for me and her Instagram sounded ugly and also the love interest she's like he's a cowboy except they use the word cowboy to describe him eight times in the epilogue and like never in the rest of the book i'm like this is stupid if he's a cowboy he has to be a cowboy you can't just call him a cowboy in the epilogue and make me believe it Uh, i mean and there was like a pretty interesting third act where they're like broken up and she has a different love interest uh which is a choice like cool that you're doing something but like the rest of the book was so bad that i couldn't give her props for that Sorry, Kate There Bromley. really is 
I do have this thing that happens to me whenever, you know how you're talking about how the Instagram page wasn't very good? Whenever it's like a creative character who's like a writer or writes music or an artist or a musician or whatever, and then they describe it and I'm like, okay, but that's not good. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's the best song that's ever been written. I, tears were streaming down my face. And then you're like, that, but it's yeah. not good. Oh my gosh, I just saw there was a video. I, I'll see if I can find it and put it in from Instagram. That was like every time the author... <laughs> It was probably from Romantically Inclined. Every time the author writes their own original lyrics to a song, it was like, a, it was really funny. Yeah. It was like, drip, drip, rain, rain. <laughs> drip, a drip. Yeah. Like, no, no yes, it's like problem. every time they include passages from the romance novel, the character in the book is writing. It's always the most trite. It's like historical romance written by somebody who doesn't read historical romance, writing like some thing that they think is new and exciting and would have been new and exciting in like 1995 but not really because Laura Kinsale was already doing interesting things in 1995 <laughs> and also non-romance rant but in Daisy Jones and the Six have you guys read this one no because it's not actually romance right and, and I don't want to yeah but they talk a lot about how like they wrote these songs and they're like so good and they inspired a generation and then you like read the song lyrics and like that's the stupidest thing I've ever read <laughs> Just, like, leave the song lyrics out of it. Like, I know this is supposed to be Fleetwood Mac. I'll just, like, listen to rumors, and that can be your songs, and it won't be ruined by, like, your bad song lyrics. Thanks. Well, those are all very valid reasons. Those those are all really valid reasons to feel rage about a book, but mine is literally only the title. But like literally, I was muttering about it to myself. Like I would be like doing the dishes weeks later. I'd be like, God damn it, billionaire shrubbery. Like it, it is such a bad title because I, I'm sorry, but I don't know how you could see a romance novel titled The Billionaire Shrubbery and not think of a man's bushy pubic hair. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, there's a whole market for that kind of thing, Ingrid. Okay. I don't know no, what to tell I'm sorry. you. No. No, it's like one of the least sexy parts. Oh, mm, the that is the wealthy pubic hair. Like it was, and it wasn't even like the book is like she's like a plant whisperer. She's like a horticulturist or something. This is also the it's, book with the toe thing. She not do right? It was indoors. <laughs> what? This is the book with the toe thing, right? Too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> No, and like, this is why I'm saying it's just the title, because I was like, if you called it something else, I would have been like, well, okay, that's fine. But yeah, she like sucks a thorn out of his foot after he's been walking around outside. And the author, bless this author's heart, was like, well, he did use hand sanitizer. And I was like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the rest of the book was so good. and But the title, I was like, I don't want to think about his pubic hair. And then also, you sucked a thorn out of his foot. But... The rest of the book is really good, and you shouldn't be put off by my issue with the title. If the author ever wants to reach out to me, I will totally, like, you know, brainstorm circle some better titles for this book. But because it, she's a, she's a talented, talented plant whisperer, you know. On the flip side, maybe this author is a dang genius because was this the one book I was able to remember this year? Absolutely, it was. <laughs> The billionaire's shrubbery. <laughs> shrubbery. <laughs> you can't have shrubbery inside a building. She doesn't do the shrubbery. She does the plants in pots. Okay. okay. You know, the I'm only done. thing I can think of now is a Monty Python. Shrubbery. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, it's just 
I was like, why did you take such a good book and include the thorn sucking scene and name it that? It's such a good book. Don't do that. Anyway, go ahead. Well, okay. So, so that was like hot... anti-sexy. <laughs> what made us hot in a different way? <laughs> yes. Now that we're all enraged and I know, sweating. right? I have so many feelings. Right Switch gears. Book most likely to make me fan myself. <laughs> what you guys got? Okay. So I'll go first. Uh, for me, it was Four Lettings to Fall in Love by Jackie Lau. And this is probably not the most explicit book I read this year. And I don't know why I was surprised because I know that Jackie Lau writes like pretty high heat books. She like writes pretty good sex scenes. But something about this one, like I was just sweating. It was just really hot. Yeah. You know, and the premise is it's about these two people that have a bad one night stand at a wedding. That's like right at the beginning. They have really bad sex at a wedding. It's a one night stand. They're like, great, we'll never see each other again. And then they see each other again at another wedding. And uh, the second wedding is like a family wedding so that they know they're going to be seeing each other a lot at a bunch more weddings this summer. And so they're like, well, what if we bang it out and then it'll be fine and we can have better sex? And then they do and you know, thus begins. I don't remember how they end up dating, but, you know, there's a lot of family involvement, as one would expect with Jackie Lau. Book. Yes, good stuff. You know, he, he's, like, buttoned up, rigid guy who, Those are always he, the best. who knows how to bring the boss in the bedroom. Oh, it's the best. It, it, you know, <laughs> he's, got the, he's got the sweater vest, he's got oh. the glasses, and, so you know, that. and then so he, he says... You've been a very bad girl. Oh, <laughs> nice job, Jackie Lau. Nice job, oh, Jackie Lau. <laughs> I love Jackie Lau. So that's what I got. What you got? So mine is Against a Wall, which was also the one that Aaron remembered was funny. So maybe it's just that this book like had it all, but I could not with this book. Like he, you know, we say there's like a fine line between love and hate. So like she hates him. He's such a dummy that he like picked on her in high school and was like, that's going to make it so she likes me a lot when I pick on her. And so he's just a dumbass. And then she's in trouble. So it's just, here's what happens. So he comes into her coffee shop every morning. It's like the worst part of her morning. So I'm sitting here thinking like, you, I'm not ever going to root for this guy with this girl. <gasps> it, he's just such a devoted dummy. And he's like, I just want to make you happy. Like whatever you want, I'm going to do it. Like he's like sick over her. And so it's like these moments where literally all he wants is like to touch her and it builds over. So it's like, oh, you're so annoyed with him and you kind of hate him a little bit, but he's like really hot. And then he keeps doing these like insanely thoughtful things. And then it turns out he's just, oh, it's like emotional. You like are already riding a high. It was emotionally manipulative is what it is. Mm. But I remember like in the scenes, have you ever like scandalized yourself a little bit by how you, you've responded to like some of those scenes where you're like, oh my, <laughs> like it was like that where I was like, oh no, oh dear, this is not, uh, this is not appropriate. It was like that. Anyway, that's what I have. No, I can't say that I've had that problem. Well, that's not true. I think the first tentacle book I was like, oh, what is oh, happening no. right now? <laughs> Now I'm like, ugh, tentacles. What next? <laughs> That's so passe. Potatoes. That's so 2022. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, like Holly, this was probably not the most explicitly written book that I read this year, but a lot of times highly explicit stuff doesn't actually do anything for me. I need the emotional punch. So I chose To Like the Lightning by Travis Bodwin. 
It's a single POV. The narrator's in a really bad spot emotionally because of personal stuff that, like, starts out the story. And his love interest is... I mean, there's shyness, and then there's something there, and then it just builds. It's not even a very slow burn, because I think they're having sex by 50%, and I wouldn't normally call that a slow burn, but, like, just the level of emotional intimacy that's packed into that book really took it over the edge for me, so that it's not just, like, what did, was it Cat Sebastian was like, it's not the anatomy lesson. <laughs> It's, it's actually, like, got a little bit more emotional oomph to it than mm-hmm. just, like, peg A and slot B kind of a situation. So that is one that I appreciated this year. <sighs> oh. All right. We're almost there, guys. This is the next one is one we added last year, I think, right? Because mm-hmm. we all get a little bit bingy when we find an author that we're like, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> this author has the sauce. I'm going to read all the backlist. <laughs> So yeah, I'll start, I mean, I jumped into the Omegaverse this year, as I said, and I found Piper Scott because this book, Clutch, was on this list. It was probably Reddit's like, everybody plug in your favorite Omegaverse book. Guys, this series is like bananas. <laughs> and I, it's like, oh my gosh, this guy, this dragon, dragons are not known to exist in reality, but there are dragons secretly existing. So he slums it by having sex with an Omega who's in heat and he's, they're so horny for each other. And apparently dragon's semen is like boiling lava hot. So he like burns through the condom and accidentally knocks up this Omega with dragon eggs. So it's not just an M-Preg Omega verse book. It's an egg preg. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) what is happening? What is happening right now? It was very entertaining. So naturally, I read the next book, and then the next book, and then the next book, and then the next book. And there are like eight books in that series, and then I ended up accidentally also reading another series that I had uh, kind of had on my list, but I got sick, and I was like, I'm going to listen to Michael Ferriolo tell me all the stories. And he, <laughs> and he narrated all the audiobooks, and I had gotten the first book for some reason, and like a freebie thing or whatever. So I had the first book, I was like, well, I'm just going to read the, that whole series. So go Piper Scott. All right. <laughs> like, what is happening? What is happening right now? All these Omegaverse books. They're like, they're wild guys. Better you than me. Like, yeah. <laughs> no thanks. No thanks. I mean, so uh, the author I put down here was Jeannie Lynn. And this was kind of in service of the blog because Aaron scheduled the author spotlight for Jeannie Lynn on the calendar and I it was like kind of half done. I was like, I maybe should read some more of her stuff before I write that. And so I read the entire Lotus Palace mystery series. <laughs> Good job. So, yeah, you know, and like after I read, probably I could have just read one more and been like, oh yeah, this is like her vibe, and I can write this up. But no, let's just do. We don't do things halfway. Let's just yeah. do this whole series and live in the Tang Dynasty for a little bit. You know, there are there are no dragons. There's no impreg. <laughs> like there's barely any sex because we're too busy pining for each other. Sometimes that's what you so need. So much pining. So much pining. So true. Sometimes it's the stuff you need. Yeah. Well, I Ingrid, you can't pick my, three. Sure she can. Hey, listen. Sure she can. What am my, I gonna do with the graphics for three different authors? Pick one. But the point is, is 
my security blanket is binging an author. So I'm like, well, if one book by this author made me feel good, all of the books by this author will make me feel good. <laughs> so I read pretty much all of Lucy Scores' backlist. I read, when I read Against a Wall by Kate C. Wells, I read the entire series in like, I want to say it was like two days. And then I liked that so much that there is an overlapping series that is a motorcycle series that she does. So I read all of that one. That one's got a lot of books. Like it's, they do, there's one for everyone. Like all of the people in the motorcycle gang and all the people at the strip club. So it's a lot. And then Stella Reese, I read all of them again in like three days gone. So all I did this year was basically binge authors. <laughs> now I will say the Stella Reese series was the best for like, there was like this really interesting juxtaposition between like healthy progressive relationships and then like bossy man mm-hmm. stuff. It hit the spot. And then Kate C. Wells was just like, just, I don't even want It's, Whew, ha, whew. And then Lucy's score, I just liked the series because the side characters are ridiculously awesome. That was it. That's all I did. Cool. It was binge. Yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. All right. Books that gave me the biggest hard eyes. Well, mine goes all the way back to January. I read Georgia wow. along in January. Oh. But man, Batteries. Kate Claiborne. I mean, Holly wrote a whole thing yeah. <laughs> about how Kate, Kate, Kate Claiborne just like punches you with feelings. Yep. <laughs> I was like, I gotta brace myself. She's gonna wreck me. Yep. And that one, yeah, that was just sweet. And it's set on the water, on the Chesapeake. I don't think it's on the Eastern Shore, but like. But the... did, so, but did she do the Chesapeake correctly? This is the question. I mean, yeah, for what it was, it was like mm-hmm. it. It's kind of small town, but like the reason, one of the reasons that she moved back home was to help her friend with her newborn. Mm-hmm. So her friend. And her husband, the friend's husband, decided to leave Washington and buy a house down on the water, way down in Virginia, not convenient to a commute. But they bought a house like in the new build out area of town. And the love interest of the heroine is just so it's just so sweet. Like he has issues with his family. He he didn't do what they wanted him to do kind of a thing. He builds docks like that's what he does and he just does his life and he has his dog and he is blue collar and lives on the water basically but he refuses to work in the fancy new neighborhood because it was not built in an environmentally conscientious way and so yeah it wasn't he's not a waterman he's not like a yeah a fisherman or a crabber or any you know he's not harvesting oysters he's a dock builder um, so it wasn't like heavy, heavy in the Chesapeake culture, but it was definitely, it tracks for like, there are the old houses and the old families who live there and are trying to maintain the vibe, yeah. their small town and the nature and the environment of the Bay and the people who are moving in with tons of money who want the McMansions and the waterfront housing, but aren't necessarily making environmentally conscientious choices for what is, it is a suffering landscape. Yeah, <laughs> shall we say like the Chesapeake is suffering so I thought that was really well done and oh yeah their relationship I mean it's slow it builds it kind of they have a weird meet cute ish she the heroine is Georgie is like kind of had a bad rep as a teenager like oh she always just screws up all the time kind of a thing and so she doesn't want to come home and like reopen that ball, you know. It it was ju- it's just so many feelings, so many feelings, yeah. so sweet. Mm. I dig it. All right. Well, so my choice, I'm gonna go with Midnight Duet by Jen Comfort. 
And Holly put three books down. (laughs) Well, okay. No, I'm going to pick in the spur of the moment, and I'm picking Midnight Duet because I was just like so happy when I finished that book. Like, it's not like Kate Claiborne where she's going to punch me in the face with emotion. I was just like smiling. Mm -hmm. This book just brought me so much joy. When the hero is like, I'm coming in like a fire tornado, you just. You just have to go with it, and and he is, and also spreadsheets are badass, mega badass. Except say that with a German accent, and yeah, and also picture Fabio, oh, but like like long hair, blonde Fabio, like in a pirate outfit, like that's our hero. You do have a thing. You do have a thing for Fabios with ruffles. I just feel like yeah. that's worth pointing out. Uh, yes, except in this case, he's in a hair metal band. And oh, so okay. like... You're branching you know, out. So he's he's not historical blah, blah, blah. He's, I'm in a hair metal band and my brand is pirate. Is like sexy pirate okay. with guy liner. <laughs> I love it. I was just, you know, it brought me a lot of joy. I need fewer books on my TBR so that I can read some of these books that you guys are like, oh, this know, was right? fun. All right, Mine Ingrid. was Not That Duke by Eloisa James. So it's really good. First, you get the hard eyes for the heroine because she's just she's befreckled and bespeckled. So like the whole the whole premise of the book basically is that this Duke wants to marry this like perfect, poised, polished, supermodel looking woman. And he and the heroine are like BFFs. So the main character is Stella, the Duke of Huntington's Sylvester is his name. So Sylvester's mom is like loves Stella like it's like you don't understand she'd be perfect for you but he grew up with parents who were like kind of crazy like not what society wanted so he's trying to do the opposite of that even though Stella is like perfect for him so like most of the book is like you fall in love with her and you're like why won't you pick her and he's just so dead set on marrying this other woman and then they end up married so like obviously they have to like find their way to each other but she has like she has the hugest crush on him the whole time and you're just like oh honey like it's so so cute the way that it all comes together it's just like because they're like best friends so the whole time you're like you're an idiot you guys are perfect for each other it was so cute i do love a pining for my best friend book oh it's so piney more pining a whole line of pine but historical but historical Mm -hmm. it was cute you just have to trust my judgment (laughs) (laughs) so would you guys say we had a good reading year I mean, when we talk about it in retrospect, it sure sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah. I thought that I read all books that were exactly the same. And then now that we've talked about it, I'm like, oh, actually, you know, I think there have been years that have been more like cutting edge that where we've reviewed a lot more books that were like trending and blah, blah, blah. But I I feel good that we kind of, it sounds like we all focused on reading books we wanted to read this year that felt really good. And I I don't know. I feel like it kind of worked for us. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, here's to another year. And we're just gonna keep doing this, right? Forever. Keep it, keep it fun. Pretty much whatever yeah. we want. As long as we it's just fun. do what we want. Yeah. 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 So anyway, those are our superlatives. You can find the full list. Uh, we'll put it up at smutreport.com/podcast. And hopefully, I don't know. The podcast is kind of fun, so hopefully, we'll keep doing that. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. We'll come out with our goals eventually. There will be a list of goals as well. Yeah. So stay tuned to that. <laughs> And keep it smutty, folks. Keep it smutty, folks. Na 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 smut report.